Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hark, dear traveler, for thou hast wandered far. Beyond the cinnamon hour and through the infinite dusk. Yet to pass unto the correct realm, you must answer this riddle. What is a pub and not a pub? What glows without fire and darkens with the light? My first is in pint, but also in glass. Tell me what I am to end your weary plight. Ah, the moon underwater. I'm just reading from my to-do list. Uh, I've got to clean the well four times. I should probably... I'll, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. There's a well here at the moon underwater. It's sort of a wishing well, but... The problem is that all your wishes come true in the moon underwater. So I'm thinking of actually decommissioning the wishing well. Because you can have too much of a good thing. And, you know, once the perfect pub has revealed itself... Has revealed all your favourite drinks and all your favourite people, furnishings, brasses, music volume, music style. The last thing you want to do is chuck 50 quid down a wishing well, for goodness sake. Is that, um... Oh, I should put, it's it's, it's, minim, it's minimum 50 quid uh, for the but wishing well. But wish your wishes definitely come true. Oh, yeah, they all come true. Um, the only thing you can't wish for is less wishes. Fewer wishes. Uh, no, less wishes. You can't wish for less wishes. You can wish for fewer wishes, uh, but you can't wish wish for less wishes because it's grammatically incorrect. <laughs> See? With your fewer less. There's no fewer less in the moon underwater. That's true, yeah. You never get corrected by an asshole like me. We have fewer salt and less 
pounds. I don't know which one it is. I don't care. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Nothing matters. It does. I suppose everyone knows what you mean, don't they? So a bit, um, of, bit of tension in the moon underwater tonight, folks. That's fine. That's why we're here. That's why you said here. you you can't have too much of a, you can't have too much of a good thing. You can have too much of a good thing. You can't. Oh, you can have too much of a good thing. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. But the moon underwater is a good thing. It is a good thing, and you can't have too much of it. Right. Even if you played every episode on a separate speaker system at full volume. At the same time? At the same time. So, like, 50 sort of hi-fi systems playing the moon underwater. Oh. Hi-fi. God, I'm old. But I'm not old in the moon underwater. <laughs> yeah. That would just sound like... <laughs> realm. 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 <laughs> like that. That's what it would sound like. Uh, well, folks, welcome to the Moon Underwater, the pub that is, I think it's the only pub in the correct realm, actually. There's quite a few different things in the correct realm, but this is the only pub, certainly the only licensed pub. Uh, there's a few shabeens, uh, a few uh, backdoor brews, but this is the only licensed pub, and this is the pub where we invite guests to create their dream hostelry and to stock it so... Uh, I am the landlord, John Robbins, and sitting at the bar in his favourite pew is regular, the lovely Robin Allender. And Robin, how do we find thee? I find me well, actually. I find me very well. Yeah, a lot of wells going on. Do the wells have beer in them or water? Depends what you wish. Oh, I see. You can wish for fewer beer in the well. Or you can wish for uh, less cans of beer in the well. It's up to you. Or you can wish for more. Yeah. And more's the same, whatever you're talking about, isn't it? You can have more salt yeah. and more more salt and more items. Yes, yeah, you can. Um, yeah, but I'm fine, thanks, John. How are you? Well, 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 well. <laughs> I'm okay. I mean, yeah, uh, I've had a few nights off booze here at the Moon Underwater due sure. to factors, uh, which is important, folks, to have some nights off. Um, especially at this time of the year. Especially at this time of the year. However, it does mean I'm often in bed by seven. Seven? Yeah. And asleep? No, God, no. I didn't get to sleep till 3 a.m. <laughs> the other night. I've been in bed for eight hours. What are you doing? Watching telly with that weird table thing over the bed? That you got from an old person's home. <laughs> no, it tends to go. I, I put on like a, on YouTube. They have sort of classical music playlists, and I'll put on right. you know nine hours of Chopin. To help, is this to help you sleep or to help you relax? That's just to relax, and I'll do cross cryptic crosswords. All right, I'm getting very into cryptic crosswords at the Are moment. You? I'm really enjoying them. Yeah. Although, do, do you do the times? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm doing the Guardian ones. I'm trying. I'm trying to learn them by sort of doing the reveal thing and working them out backwards. Yeah, reverse you know, engineering, pa- parsing them, parsing, parsing them. Yeah, it's good fun. Yeah. So then I'll and then I'll um, read a book and then I'll maybe watch an episode of The American Office and then I'll listen to Blackadder and Sherlock Holmes for about five hours whilst trying to get to sleep. But it's all good fun. It's all good. Fun. Yeah. It sounds like you need to wear yourself out more a bit, you know. I do. I do. I d- probably need to exercise. Um, but uh, that's what that's that's the vibe, really. 
Have we had any uh, publicly missed mail, Robin? We have had publicly missed mail, to be quite honest with you, John. And just to remind you folks, you can send us missed mail because our mail here is brought through a sort of cloud of vapour. Uh, and you can send it to john at moonunderpod.com. And some of the top topics are pubs we've loved, pubs we've lost, pub anecdotes. What are some of the other topics, the running topics, Rob? Pubs we have been to, pubs we might go to, yeah. pub, pubs that are kind of we've recommended that then people have gone to. And great pub names, unusual pub, pub names. names. Yeah, well, there's an ongoing discussion about kind of independent kind of breweries going on in the mist sack at the moment oh great tell me more i will but first off i'll do it it's it's a kind of mist tweet um from alex henry who says i'm sure robin and john will be pleased to hear that the crown posada in newcastle reopened today so that as we're saying this this was uh 8th of December, when when it's open. So that's good news, isn't it? Crown Posada, one of your faves. Yeah, I've had so many people. So I was just opening a, a pint from the draft bar here at the Moon Underwater. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've had so many messages to say the Crown Posada is reopening. And also, I think it's been granted special status, sort of securing its future. It's a pub in Newcastle. It's one of the great pubs. And it's, mm. you know, there's a backbone of pubs I've been to, all different vertebrae that sort of really represent what I think pubs should be. And the Crown Posada in Newcastle is one of them. The Dagda in Edinburgh is another. The Harp in London is another. The What would be a good example in Bristol? Highbury Vaults. Uh, Highbury Vaults in Bristol. Yeah, there's a few in Bristol. There's also one in Nottingham, which I always forget. Oh, the one where it's got the... Um... It's kind of got an almost mezzanine level around the top. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you sent me a photo and I recognised it immediately. It's a brilliant pub. Now, people might be screaming at their own minds, uh, ye old trip to Jerusalem, but it's not that pub. No. I'm just going to sort of imagine it in my mind now. Sure. And then try... I've. There's definitely... I put it on Instagram years and years and years and years ago in the depths of time. Um, yeah, it's a, I, I know exactly what I mean. You carry on and I'll I carry on? find this. Yeah. Okay, well, this is a mist we had a couple of weeks ago, but it's a kind of well-timed mist because this one was from Joe, and he said, hi, John and Robin, and he mentions in his message here, it would be good to hear your opinion of my local in Ashley Down, Bristol, and if you've had the pleasure to frequent it, the Lazy Dog, previously the Ashley Arms. Well, Joe, if you heard our episode with Mike Bubbins, you'll have heard me wax lyricalis about the like, lazy dog <laughs> and about my about my slightly mad um thing i used to do when i worked and cycled up gloucester road and to, to make sure i had a really dry mouth when i got to the lazy dog <laughs> but yeah i love the lazy dog staff are just fantastic there they've always got really good range of beers on really nice garden really good gig upstairs as well uh, a stand-up gig uh, which i'm not sure if they that's happening again after the pandemic i'm sure it is yeah really good spot and i used to love cycling to bath and if you do bath and back in a day when you kind of you're, you kind of end up on muller road another big steep hill and you kind of you make your lazy dog the destination it really is absolutely stunning after a day of cycling brilliant pub it's the malt cross the malt cross in nottingham yeah it's a good spot 
We've also had an email here, which is about Ringwood Brewery again. Chaps, this is from Paul in St. Leonard's on Sea. As soon as I heard you mention Dorset's Ringwood Brewery, my lips smacked at the memory of the tour there and the free unlimited pints of fresh beer on offer. Wow. Oh, that's a good tour. You don't want little tumblers. You want unlimited pints. (laughs) Could you just stay there for the rest of your life? (laughs) The The Marston's ownership means supermarket bottles and whatever is nationally distributed is produced under licence with their recipe in a big steel vat somewhere, but the original brewery and the local pubs it serves still produce the fine product as intended. So to all curious drinkers, it's worth travelling, finding out what's made where, and trying it at the point of origin, lest you be homogenised. Yours in amber ecstasy, Paul. That's a lovely mist. Thank you, Paul. And that's quite a good way of thinking of it, I think. Yeah, but also, what's the phrase about steel vats? Well, he's saying that once you get out away from the origin, yeah. it's brewed to that recipe in a big steel vat somewhere. But that shouldn't be disparaging because the vast majority of all beer is brewed in a steel vat. I don't think he's being particularly pejorative about the steel okay, vat. Okay, okay, okay. I, I just think he's saying, you know, it's, it's brewed en masse somewhere to the same recipe but you can also get it kind of brewed locally nearby where it's brewed, if you see what I mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. Another mist? Yes, please. This one's from Stuart. London pubs is the subject. You've you've really uh, raised my mind. Hello, Robins and Robin. What an evening we had exploring the east end of London last weekend. Being Lake District folks, we like an ale rather than an overly floral craft ale, and having been up west many times, we were bored with London pubs until we came across the Ark of the Covenant itself, the incredible pride of Spitalfield. I don't believe I've ever been there, John, have you? No, I don't think I have been to the pride of Spitalfield, but I'm going to look it up in my mind right now. What a pub, Stuart goes on, and what pints were supped. Crouch Vale's 4% Brewer's Gold is a delightful ale that unfortunately slips down far too well, my lovely wife Jane had organised the weekend and took me to have a pint in the nearby Jack the Ripper famous Ten Bells. Yeah, that's not that great. Nice enough, but music to perforate the eardrums and a seven-pound lager was not a good start to a weekend away. <laughs> I have a feeling if you read From Hell, the Alan Moore book about Jack the Ripper, I have a feeling that towards the end of that book he goes into the Ten Bells, as in Alan Moore goes into it. Um... When we left, she said, I have to show you this. We turned the corner and the pub revealed itself. A vision of backstreet boozer perfection. The decor of the bar is something to behold and the locals couldn't have been more welcoming. I can't believe there are still pubs in London selling a pint for £4.10. Highly recommended, Stuart. So that sounds brilliant. We have to make a, we have to make a beeline for that place. It looks really nice. It looks very down to earth. It looks like it hasn't changed much since the sort of you know, 50s, 60s. And I think I would really emphasise the importance. It's such a simple thing, but if you're in a city centre and you're looking for a nice pub, just search pub in Google Maps. Yeah. And honestly, it you'll get your walkabout, 3.6 stars. You'll get your sort of, your Green King pub, 4.1 stars. But then you'll get your 4.6s, your 4.7s, just a street away. Just allow them to reveal themselves, for goodness sake. Yeah, nice spot. There used to be a brilliant venue in Spitalfields called Spitz, which isn't open anymore. But they used to have a really good, 
I wonder if it's kind of around the same neck of the woods, but they used to have a really good program of kind of experimental music and stuff. It was great. But yeah, we'll have to we'll have to venture down there. We will do. Our next our next public crawl will be thence. But I think I I feel the weather is changing, Robin. Mm. And can you see down looking through the cracks in the floorboards because today there's sort of open bare floorboards in the moon underwater. The carpets have beswained them, Sen. Um I I can just sort of see I want to say pixies, but I'm not sure if they are pixies, but some kind of magical, miniature magical creatures just dancing below the floorboards, silently, in in rhythmical Mm. parabolas within each other. (laughs) Yeah, they are. They're they're kind of writhing intensely, like the aura of a migraine, but in a nice way. Yeah, like an aura of a migraine in a nice way. And I wonder if they've sensed that perhaps our guest is coming. Possibly. Well, let's find out. Robin, 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 did you see the unique cloud formations over the moon underwater just now? Yes, they were sort of shaped like years. Yeah, shaped like years. And I believe I'm right in saying that every single, perhaps for the first time in this realm, every single cloud type was visible from the Cirrus, the Cirrocumulus, the Cirrostratus, right down to the Altostratus and the Altocumulus, and even the Nimbostratus, I think, would. Trying to get their heads in the picture. Do you have the Wikipedia page of clouds open in your mind? Or no, I just made up those names. Oh, you made them up. Okay, sorry. Yeah, I mean, I have no idea if they relate to any type of cloud. That's, <laughs> I just thought they sounded like uh, cloud names to oh, me. Oh, they really... Well, you convinced me. Yeah, yeah. But do, do you know what it is? Sometimes the cloud formations here over the moon underwater do arrange themselves to welcome in guests from the other realm. Yes. And um, I, I'm assuming that's what's happened here, because now, is that a quadruple rainbow? Could it be? <laughs> Amongst every type of cloud, a quadruple rainbow? Yes, I think it is, as the sun pushes its last shafts of light through the mist that's beginning to form as the evening rolls in, causing those four, or I would say a quadrant of rainbows there. And, and yes, now it's confirmed, because here at the door... Through the frosted and the bow-windowed glass is this week's guest, Liam Williams. Good evening. Good evening, gents. Welcome Hello. to the moon underwater, Liam. <laughs> Thanks. It's, it's a, a joy to be here. And I, I think I, I uh, maybe got caught up in some rogue frequencies in, in my transition into this realm because um, my, the sa- I'm not sure if my voice quality is coming across well tonight. I hope you can hear me clearly enough. And I'm so excited to be here. I've heard a lot about this place and um i just want to sound good while i'm here you know no there's a beautiful quality to your voice a beautiful timbre uh, if i may be so bold what do you make of the moon underwater its fixtures its fittings its brasses and its canopies i'm immediately charmed by it i'm absolutely charmed and put at ease and enticed i feel quite enticed by this place well, it does have a habit of arranging itself towards the tastes and uh, particulars of every guest that enters. And I wanted to start by asking you, Liam, you are, uh, 
the word comedian doesn't quite cover it because I see you as much as almost like a commentator through comedy of of the world with a kind of honesty that you don't actually see that much of in um, in stand-up, certainly. But especially in the comic writing you've done, I was a huge fan of Loudhood. I wanted to ask, what kind of a presence are you in a pub and what kind of a presence is the pub in you? Uh, in both cases, huge. Um, yeah. <laughs> huge, huge, <laughs> huge, but subtle. Um, yeah. I'm not a sort of... Um, I'm not a pub bore in either sense of the the word bore. I'm not too. I ho- I try not to be too obnoxious and loud and overbearing. But I love to be in the pub and I I, I feel I come alive, and the pub comes alive in me. Because mm, mm. would you say you view the view the world askance in a pub, or do you view it straight on? Possibly in the pub is where my my view. Yeah, straightens itself up a little bit and I can kind of um, relieve myself of, of the, the burden to look at things so askance. Um, things make a bit more sense in the pub to me. Whenever I've seen you do stand-up, it all, I will at some point during your routine think of Philip Larkin because you do have an incredible eye for sort of the, the profound within the domestic and the, the quite bleak. And I, I wonder what part... It's almost like you've got a very good hungover brain. So you've got all of the all of the sort of moroseness of a hangover but without the fog because you're able to articulate it. And I wonder does does a hangover play a part in your worldview more than alcohol does? <laughs> you to put it in a slightly more succinct way, you sound like I feel when I'm hungover but can't quite express. Oh, thanks, John. That's that's so nice. Um, I suppose I write more hung more often hungover than than drunk. So, so I guess in that sense, the 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 hungover mindset kind of in, infuses the stuff I write more than the drunken mindset. Um, I guess, yeah. I I kind of the the only difference between. Uh, hungover life and normal life for me is whether I feel sick. Right. <laughs> kind of emotion, emotionally, there, there's not much difference. Okay. So it's not like if you had sort of a week off booze, you'd you'd jump out of bed with a spring in your step and click your heels and say, what do you got for me, day? Yeah, I, to an extent, definitely. Like, definitely, if you, like, could somehow, like, collect a big data set on that, uh, I think you'd notice a slight, like, improvement. <laughs> uh, in me and my general demeanor when I wasn't hungover, but there are definitely days like, cause I, you know, like most, uh, you know, sort of anxious people in their thirties will do phases of um, not drinking, you know, as some kind of atonement uh, and and kind of a gesture of of apology to my to my body and specifically liver. Uh, but I, during those times, often marvel at like, oh, I don't feel much better at all, you know, I. I I think, oh, I always thought that these things I feel were because I drink too much. And then it's interesting to to still feel them when you're not drinking at all. That's what's so interesting about Ladhood, I think, is it's about kind of tracing back the person you are now to the person you were then and kind of seeing the similarities in some way. There's something similar going on with kind of what you just said there, that kind of almost you can't escape yourself quality. I think that's a big part of Ladhood. Yeah, I th- well, thanks. I, and thanks for... Uh, 
for watching and, and taking Ladhood seriously. Yeah, and I suppose after a certain point you realise you can't really escape yourself and you can only kind of learn to get on with yourself like a sort of um, middle-aged couple trying to make their marriage work. You know, you have to just kind of try and buy, hold that relationship with yourself together for the, <laughs> for the kids. Yeah. You know? yeah. That's such an amazing way of seeing existence. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like you're, yeah, it's like you're married to yourself. Yeah, it's true. So, Liam, you were born in Garforth. What what was the pub scene uh, in your formative pub years? Yeah, so Garforth's a small town uh, near Leeds of, I don't know, I reckon maybe something like 10,000 people live there and would have, back then when I was growing up, like four or five pubs, quite a, quite a I suppose quite a, quite a, a number of pubs. And going back now, I have to say, no shade on Garforth because... I, I'm very fond of the place and I, people, I don't know, people I find from, that I grew up with occasionally find th- things like podcasts I, I do and stuff on the internet. So in case they're listening, I don't want to be rude about the place. But uh, like, not pubs now that I re- re- sort of look forward to revisiting with a sort of twinkling sense of nostalgia. But at the time, they were... What they made me think, what my growing up made me think pubs are, are like community hubs, like all generations, you know, people from like 18 to 80 would go to the pub on a Saturday night and you would talk to people of all different ages and, okay, look, they're mostly white, lower middle class or working class people from Leeds. But within that sort of milieu and demographic, you kind of get to know everybody in the town. But even when I do go to those pubs now, I feel like fewer people go, few people turn up, and there's less of this sense of uh, the whole town coming together on a on a Friday Saturday night. But I did fall in love with pubs in that phase of my life, um, and then different pubs took on a different like different identity of the f- sort of five or six pubs in the town. Each one would have a different sort of meaning, and that was slightly revolving. It was kind of hard to like you know like there would be the pubs where the, the younger people tended to go, but but they might... I suppose it was whether drug people were taking drugs or not. Like, I guess <laughs> some pubs would suddenly... People would be taking drugs there and it would become more raucous and a bit dodgy and it would get a bad rep. And so there'd be a couple of the pubs where you could kind of guarantee fighting. And when you're young... I don't know, somehow that's, I found that quite exciting. Even though I didn't really want to fight myself, I liked to kind of watch it. And then people from a different town would come and sort of wait outside. And then when everybody left the pub, they'd be waiting in the street. And then there'd be a big brawl in the street where nobody really hit each other, but everyone sort of ran at each other like um, a sort of children's playground game. And then the police <laughs> would come and, and everyone would get a kebab. So could you give us some of the names of these pubs and perhaps a word of, of their, because you said each one of them had a, a different feeling, a different emotion for you. Yeah, so I mean, again, I I always get told when we're doing Ladhood, like we can't, we can't call the pubs by their real names in the show, for example. But that's, I suppose, the BBC are, are terrified of getting sued, which you guys probably aren't in the same way. So um, not at all within reason. Yeah, the big one was the Gascoigne, um, which is named after a local landowner of yore, uh, Lord Gascoigne, which I suppose hints at a. There's a sort of soft ideology implied in a lot of pub names, aren't there? That there's often a sort of monarchical or aristocratic nomenclature involved. 
But at the time, you just don't really... No one even knew who Gascoigne was. We just go to the Gascoigne, and uh, its nickname was the Gas House, which s- summed up its its vibe a bit more. That was like the that was the pub where fighting might happen. <laughs> it was it was slightly like it was one of those pubs that kind of vaguely became a nightclub on a Friday Saturday oh, night. Oh God! It sounds um, so like Thornbury, where we went to school. Yeah, well, it's sort of a satellite. It's a satellite market town of of I guess Bristol and. And Gloucester, so because it had so many pubs, it would act as a bit of a magnet for all the other satellite towns for for when people weren't going into Bristol. And there are two big schools nearby, so it's just a huge going out place for the kind of teens and under. <laughs> not so, under teens. Not under teens. I mean, <laughs> you have twelve year olds in the pub. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, you know, legal I mean. teens and and illegal. Teens. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so the gas got... But then, uh, it's a very nice garden. That's the thing. There's always something to redeem a pub, I find. Um, Often with pubs, like all the pubs in an area, you sort of want to take one element from each and combine them into a mega pub. Yeah. Well, that's kind of what, what Orwell gets at in the in the Moon Underwater essay, isn't it? That he's yeah. like... I've been to many pubs that have at least a couple of these elements. But, but no, never all of them. Yeah. Never all ten or whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, the gas coin. And then... Next, very near the Gascoigne was the Miner's Arms. So Garforth a long time ago was a mining town, but like before the like um, sort of pit closed. It was in that sort of part of Yorkshire, but but um, the pit was closed like 100 years ago or something. Uh, so there's Miner's Arms, which was, uh, you know, another <laughs> small town pub where... That, this is what I'm saying about it was so it was so arbitrary as to like which pub was the one to go to at whatever time, because really they they were kind of all the same, and yet somehow... It was this thing of, oh, you shouldn't... No, no one goes to miners anymore. You've got to go down Gascoigne now, you know. Oh, <laughs> I've been down there, and it's shit down there now. And there's no reason it was shit, except um, people sort of decided. The podger, which is... Uh, a podger is a miner's tool, I think. So this this mining uh, imagery was and theme was was a big part of the, the pub names. Uh, the crusader, which had, uh, as you might imagine, quite a lot of England flags on it, but a good pool table. Then there was the the New Market, I guess named after the race course. That was on the main street. That had that quality of being like a pub you might pop into for for a half in the middle of doing your doing your chores. You know, like you've got to you get to the butchers and you know then the bakers and and then you might get a swift one in the in the New Market. And then there was a pub called the Gaping Goose, which was at the other side of town, which I never went. I've I've never been to. I don't think, but I gather is actually the pub that now. I might be happiest in. I think it's more of a real ale pub. You know, I think it's a quieter, slightly uh, more salubrious pub. And then there was one that did become quite quite important to me called the Bird in Hand, which was like a real estate pub, like it's a bang in the middle of a quiet estate. And it was it was again just like a pub like all the others for many years until my friend took it over uh, about the time. I was just going off to uni and I was coming back to Garforth. And I, and I suppose when I'd been to uni, I had I suddenly had an appreciation for a quiet pub. Like, I was like, oh, pubs, it's sometimes nicer to go to the pub, <laughs> sit with one friend for the evening and talk and not like, you know, to be able to hear yourself yeah. think and speak and, and not worry that you're about to get punched either deliberately or ac- accidentally. Um, and so this pub, largely because of, I, I think... The, the, that's what I'm saying about the 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 role of an estate pub in small towns like Garforth 
suddenly it, it, it was less of a thing. Like, like it, it wasn't this thing that everybody in the state goes to the pub on a Friday evening. I guess more people stay in or they might go into town, go to restaurants and things. So this pub was kind of declining anyway. And probably also because my friend was managing it so badly, nobody turned up. But that was kind of perfect for me. And it actually was, it did have some nice uh, fixture. It had those like brass elephant heads on the bar, you know, you know when oh, the, nice. the bar's kind of pro- propped up by a little brass elephant and its trunk is kind of part of the the actual structure of the bar. Um, so there was there was like there was some quite attractive elements of the decor and it was kind of dead and and yeah. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, I'm Adam Hurry, host of Football Clichés, a truly unique podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Twice a week, my guests and I tear apart the language of football, the words, the phrases, the mannerisms, and the weird habits of everyone involved in the game. From the shoes that football pundits are legally required to wear, to the didn't play for Sam Allardyce's Bolton but really should have done 11, Football Clichés explores all the tiny things that you didn't realise you cared about, but believe me, you do. We now move away from the pubs you couldn't choose, the pubs you couldn't design or change, to your dream pub of the mind, Liam. And you mentioned there that perhaps after university you would have been more into real ale than than when you were a teenager. So I'm going to ask you for your first two choices, and these are your draft choices, the two items in your fantasy pub that you can have on draft. What are you going to have? Well, I'm a sort of aspiring real ale drinker. But in actuality, I'm a lagerhead. I'm a lager boy. Um, in fact, I, I am part of a, a group of, uh, of drinkers who meet uh, once a year, sometimes twice a year, uh, and do a pub crawl for the last couple of years in York, including uh, in this group. Bluebell? 
Yeah, Blue Bell is certainly certainly yeah the number one is one on the list. Kieran Hodgson is in the comedian Kieran Hodgson is in this group as well. You should get him on on this. He he can speak so beautifully about pubs. He's he appreciates pubs. And my nickname in the group is Lager Liam. Ooh, <laughs> is that a disparaging? Because because didn't Hobgoblin had had that marketing thing? What's the matter, Lager Boy? Afraid of the dark stuff. Afraid you might taste something. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> it is pretty disparaging, but it's tongue-in-cheek. But I I, I like uh, an ale, but I find it gives me too many, give me a headache. But my first uh, draft choice is going to be an ale out of a sense of reverence for what is really a superior a superior drink. Deserves top billing. And if there's one ale, I, I, I prefer a bitter in general to, a, to a, say, a golden ale. Or an amber ale. But I'm going to choose Woodford's Wherry. Mm. Ooh. Do you know this? No. I don't know that. I think it might be Southwold. I have to look it up in the old brain box. I drink this in Norfolk. My parents love to go to um, Norfolk every year. And uh, I'll try and get go over there. Uh, yeah, Wood- I guess Woodford is the brewery, yeah. And the, per- the, the, the beer is called Wherry. Uh, it is an amber ale, actually, but, it, but it's quite dark. It's almost like a bitter. I love it when beer websites ask you to say that you're over 18 before entering. <laughs> In my mind. Wherry, yes. A wherry's a kind of boat, I think. Set sail on an epic taste adventure. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Are we talking about West Coast Wherry? No, Woodford's Wherry. Yeah. Woodford's... I can't find it in my mind. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Oh, lovely. So your mind is what, what you guys call the internet, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Never heard of the internet. You don't get the internet in the moon underwater. Yeah, okay. We're good, in a, good, a good, realm good. free from the everyday wires. Um, but the wherry, 3.8%. Oh, and you can get it in cans and in bottles as well. And in a mini keg. For me, it's like I, I would never source it. In, you know, I'd never kind of try to kind of chase it in that way. I, I like the... What I like about ales is like... I really do associate them with with my dad, I guess, and like I I hear him speak sort of excitedly about particular. Another one is Timothy Taylor's landlord because his dad likes that, which is pretty ubiquitous these days. But but something something like Wary, I like that the the, the it only you just see it now and again on on the card, you know, on the pump, and that that feels serendipitous, you know. I'm, oh, I must have one because it's here, you know. I don't want to seek it out so much. It's a former champion beer of Britain. The highest award in the realm. I like beers like that where it's like, you know, if you, you know, if they've got otter on or, you know, a nice, a, chis- a chiswick you don't see very often. So it's like if, you, if there's a beer you don't see very often, then you go for it because, you know, it's a bit of a treat. Yeah, it's like uh, Pokemons or something. I don't know. Where yeah, exactly. Got to drink them all. Don't, don't drink them all. What's your uh, second draft choice, Liam? Yeah, so this, so as I say, I, I like lager, but they they all kind of taste the same, if we're honest. Some are a bit less um, bland than others. But one lager, one kind of lager that stands out for me is, uh, is, is black lager. And I need to, I don't remember the name of the, the, the brewer. It's a German brewer. It's something like East, Eastler. And it's Black, black in colour. Yeah, it's black in colour, and it has a bit more richness of flavour, but it's still like refreshing, crisp, and light, like a lager. It is a lager with with intense flavour. 
I've got one here called Kost Rietze Schwarzbier. Kost Rietze? Yeah, I don't know if it's specific. I think it's more of a thing in Germany in general. I imagine, yeah. you know, if you can find a black lager somewhere, it'll probably be pretty good. I don't I don't know if it has to be the specific. Um, I would take it. So I'm saying any black lager, a German wow. black lager. Augustina do one. Oh, that looks like a headache in a glass. I've got to say that. No, but it's it's not really. It, it oddly is. It it goes down very very well. Yeah. Uh, and my local, the florist here in Bethnal Green, which is a lovely pub. Oh yeah, I love that florist. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, next time you're in, get a black lager. It's good stuff. Sure. And it looks like you're you're drinking something more interesting than a lager. It kind of looks like <laughs> yeah. you're drinking a Guinness, really. In Germany, they call it Schwarzbier. Mm. Understandably, which means black beer. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so a Schwarzbier, one of the big ones does seem to be a Kostritza, but yeah, okay. I, I've never even heard of black lager before. Guinness do one. Hmm. Incredible. Incredible. Does it have that kind of malty taste of Guinness? Then kind of like that. Kind it's of- not quite as malty as as Guinness, but it's 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 there's something of that. Yeah, maybe it's nudging. It's more. It's maltier than a lager, and it's that slight richness. There's just like a bit more of a rounded uh, flavor. And it's still ta- it's still served cold, obviously. Then, but it's served it? cold, and it's and yeah. it's crisp and light. Yeah, it's mm. it's not as kind of creamy as a Guinness. What sort of pub would these draft choices be in? What do you imagine when you when you're sort of walking down the the alleys, thinking, "I just want the perfect pub to reveal itself." What what do you hope to see? It depends. It's contextual, isn't it? But if I know, you know, we can't consider every possible context. So I've got to find some sort of um, perfect platonic evening in my mind. Um, A dark interior. Well, firstly, the exterior, an interesting old building, certainly early 20th century, if not older. I don't romanticise later 20th century architecture in the same way. So certainly for pubs and with some hanging baskets, for example, certainly some sort of foliage. Uh, interesting tiling on the outside and then inside dark maybe mostly candle lit about half full with nooks and crannies interesting spaces uh, a certain that sort of warm bloom of air that the plume of air that hits you and maybe there's some food or a, a pleasant smell not not quite a weather spoons smell but also with that musky human smell that you, that you that I missed a lot during the the pandemic, you know, I only kind of remembered it. Um, It's sort of halfway between breath and sweat. Yeah, and just like pheromones, I guess, as well. (laughs) But like the sort of condensation that you get when you walk past a pub and you can't see in because the the windows are all, they've gone past being sort of frosted up. It's not frost, it's, it's just breath. Mm. Yeah, obviously, which has has come to reveal its darker side over the past two years. <laughs> yeah. But I, I love that phrase, the warm bloom of air. Yeah. I love that. What a be- what a beautiful way of words. I think I corrected it to plume. Yeah, but I I preferred the mistake. All right, all right. All right. I like a, a bloom of air. What's your favourite? Does it exist? Pour me an ale. Are pubs real? 
pubs in the distance. Enshrouded in mist. Are pubs real? On top of your black lager and your Woodford's Wherry, you've got uh, two bottles or cans that you can add to the fridge or outside the fridge. Now, it strikes me that you're a big can man. There's that great scene in the first series of, of Ladhood where you do dry January. And he's saying, yeah, it's fine, it's fine. And you're literally counting down the minutes to midnight and you crack open. Is it a chisky you have in that scene? I can't remember now. Well, it would have been a fake, you know, it would have been a BBC lager. But I, I guess the design was for it to look East, like Polish, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. But yeah, can, do cans feature heavily here or are you going for a bottle? Well, I do like, I love a tinny, but I wouldn't drink tinnies in the pub. I slightly distrust that. I, I'm going for bottles and I struggled a little bit with this. I think in the end, I'm going to go for a dowra. You know, dowra? All these new words. Mm. It's basic. It's a gluten-free lager. Wow. How do you spell it? D-A-U-R-A. I always see it in the gluten-free aisle of the supermarket and think, I should try that. It's not bad. And I suppose I'm putting this in for other people, you know? I'm aware of my gluten-free patrons and... and Dowra seems to be the best, the best, like it's nice. It's a really nice lager. So hang, is it made by Estrella? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think it is. I think Estrella it's- Dam Dowra. Interesting. I, there's a really nice gluten-free lager called, I think it's called Celia. Like celiac. Yeah. And I, I had to judge, I think it was a, like vegetarian beer awards or something. And Celia, even though I'm not a lager drinker, really, um, Stood out, but I, I'm interested by this Estrella Daura Dam. Mm. Yeah, it looks very nice. So why why are you going for gluten free then? So it's not just it's it's to make it more accessible for others. You're saying? Or? Yeah, I mean, is that is that uh, a, a necessary consideration in this? I suppose you can have a perfectly solipsistic pub if you want, or you, you can make it for <laughs> for other people. You know, it's entirely up to you. Yeah, <laughs> I think the pub shouldn't be entirely solipsistic. You can have. Solipsistic. In fact, on the in the main, the pub is is not solipsistic. Um, so this is my way of thinking of others. But I also quite like to drink a dowra, and I sometimes wonder, like there, yeah, there are times where I will drink non-alcoholic beers, and I kind of end uh, end up feeling as bad as when I've drunk a lot of alcoholic beers. And and I think, is it the wheat or something else in this in this drink? Like, um, so I wonder if gluten is actually. If I'm a little intolerant of it or something, so... Well, the Dowra Dam is 5.4%, so it's a little on the spicy side, but obviously the smaller milliliterage because it's in a bottle. Um, what about your second choice? So I think I'm actually going to go... I, I saw on your on your briefing notes that this can be um, a soft drink, and I thought it's sensible to have a soft drink because sometimes, sadly, you, you can't always have a glass of booze in the pub. Sometimes you've got to be sensible. And so my soft drink of choice would be an apple ties, tizer. Is that what you could say? Apple ties. That's that. If I have to have a soft drink, I'm going to have an apple ties. And would you ever mix that with anything? Should the mood take you? Or is, is this just for Stone Cold Steve sober nights? If the meeting goes very well, uh, stick a vodka in it. No, I probably wouldn't mix that. No, no, no. I, I'd, I'd jump on to something else if it were time to make the switch. You don't see a hell of a lot of apple ties knocking around these days, do you? 
I, I associate it with um, childhoods. We used to go to a great pub near York called the Ebor, which I think was like, and really like before Sam Smith's became this like national kind of franchise, they were more localized in, I think there was a few in London and dotted around, but mostly in Yorkshire. And there's a great one in York called the Ebor, which I think like is kind of the only one that doesn't have to have the like generic menu and all the franchising of, of all the other Sam Smiths because the landlord's such a sort of legend, uh, Gordon. Uh, I don't know if he's still there. But we used to go there. My, my dad and granddad loved it and we'd go there. It was a great family pub. It had that thing that like I was rereading the Orwell essay and when he talks about the importance of the garden and the kids playing in the garden, I, I guess it, actually I fell in love with pubs at that as a child on a summer's evening running around in the garden I think I had gammon and chips for my dinner with a with a slice of pineapple, and like the parents were, you know, the adults are all happier than you ever see them otherwise, and you don't really understand that at the time, but you you know it makes sense now. And and apple ties was the drink that I favoured at that time. So yeah, I guess that's that's probably why it's my soft drink of choice. I I love that idea of a child sort of noticing that their parents are, are happier or sort of getting on better or having a good time but not really understanding why. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. you just sort of come to this garden. <laughs> I think we've mentioned this before, but there was that slight mystery about it because uh, at that time, you were as a child, you weren't allowed into the pub, you know, so you'd be outside in the garden. So the pub itself had a kind of air of mystery. It was just your parents would go in and come out. Yeah. What's going on in there? Yeah. <laughs> why can't I go in there? Yeah. They'd yeah, come out yeah. being slightly transformed. <laughs> so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of being slightly transformed, it's time now for the lovely Robin Allender to transform our minds with the Moon Underwater Pub Quiz. Okay, everybody, pens out, eyes down, it's time for the quiz. Played for Zimbabwe, but he was born in South Africa. I know Alaska is bigger, that wasn't the question. Put your phone away. Right, Michael Jackson's Funky Monkey had been deducted five points. Thanks, John. Liam, how, how do you feel about pub quizzes? Are you a fan? or? I love them. I absolutely love pub quizzes. Really? Yeah. Great. <laughs> yeah. Good. So what, we, what we're going to do now, we've just got three questions, and then we'll go to a break and give us all a chance to ruminate, and then I'll go through the answers, and we can see how well you all did. So this week, uh, because of Ladhood's kind of specific setting of the noughties, I've got three questions about the musical genre known as landfill indie. How do you think you'll fare, Liam? <laughs> well, uh, I, I'm going to approach this quite hub- hubristically. I think I've like made public my, my claim of expertise yeah. about landfill indie. Could you explain what landfill indie is to listeners who might not know? Yeah, and I've never heard of it. You never heard of landfill indie? No. You, but you worked for XFN for ages. <laughs> no, they they had a feature called indie landfill. Yeah, that's the same. Yeah, that's the same thing. Yeah, it, I guess it's that it's the indie music that sort of um, proliferated in the middle and then the late two thousands. That was like taking cues from, I don't know, who were the good bands? I mean, I guess the good bands were like on the back of an interesting like post-punk tradition. And then it's, oh, it's this new thing, indie. Uh, it's not the same as Britpop, you know, there's Block Party and 
Arctic Monkeys, and then suddenly there was like just a hundred bands. Some of them were very good, or they'd have like one good song on a, on a mediocre album. But there was just suddenly too many bands to keep track of, and you look back and they all looked the same and kind of sounded the same, and 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 it was yeah, it was kind of like. It gets much derided, but as you say, there were some really good bands around then as well. I've, I've, I'm very fond of the Cribs and the Young Knives. Love the Cribs, yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 really good. So, okay, so let's go. Let's go to our questions, and we can see how well we we all do. Okay, so question number one is: Who had a hit with "Let's Dance to Joy Division" in 2007? Okay, so who had a hit with "Let's Dance to Joy Division" in 2007? Okay, um, question two. Last year, Vice magazine published a list of the top 50 greatest landfill indie songs of all time. What was number one? <laughs> Liam's got a kind of smile on his face uh, here. No, it was, a gr- it was a kind of grimace, more of a grimace, I think. <laughs> like a sort of brain-searching grimace. <laughs> question three, which... Landfill indie song contains the lyric When she wakes up in the morning she writes down all her dreams reads like the book of revelations or the beano or the unabridged ulysses I mean why would you read the abridged ulysses come on get with it <laughs> anyway so those are the three questions and yeah let's see how well we did after the break That's right folks as you head off into the hinterland briefly to recharge your glass pop to the loo or to donate to the Moon Underwater podcast by heading to patreon.com forward slash moonunderpod or moonunderpod.com for all the ways to follow us and interact with us. Uh, You can also send your emails to john at moonunderpod.com on any of the topics we've discussed, whether it be pubs we've loved, pubs we've lost, uh, interesting or unique pub names, or pub fantasies, whatever pub-based correspondence you want to send, Put it out into the mist via john at moonunderpod.com. Hold fast, hold steady, and we will see you back in part two. Mm-hmm.